welcome to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a crack rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is alex gruskin day one of the 2023 division one women's national indoor championships is officially in the books what a fantastic 24 hours of tennis we were all treated to and we are immensely grateful to all of you who took the time to tune into our Crack Rackets broadcast. We had record numbers on day one of this event. We hope that sustains throughout the course of the weekend. Please continue to join us as, of course, we'll have coverage from first ball to last of the event. Simply put, 16 of the best college tennis teams in the country competing in one city. You know things are going to get funky. And on today's show, we want to recap all of that funk. Keep things concise, of course, for all of you listeners. So as we know, day two is less than an hour from start time of us recording this show. And again, just to offer a few takes here and there, joining me on today's show to help me do that to people who are instrumental to our coverage of all things college tennis here this season. Let's start with the returning champion of returning champions, my typical co-host of each and every week of The Deciding Point. You know him best also as a co-founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog and podcast. Welcome back to the show, my dear friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. It's rare we get to do this in person. We had the aforementioned hug, I promise, during The Deciding <laughs> Point. I'm glad we got to do it. How are you doing today? I'm good. Our second in person, right? Mm-hmm. We only do it here at these uh, tournaments, which is exciting. I'm happy to be here at this sophisticated technical setup here. <laughs> Normally, when I'm recording, it does not look like this, but thank you for having me. I'm excited to be chatting yesterday, which was an insane day. I should have also said part-time Uber driver, John J. Parsons, who when I walk into <laughs> his car... I chauffeur. Morning, yeah, I walk into his car this morning and goes, for Alex? And I was like, that's just a, that's a perfect impression. And so shout out to you, Jay. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. But you know who's been the real superstar of the weekend? It's our newest edition here and making her broadcast debut on this Great Shot podcast, someone, of course, you know best as a former player for Brown University, my co-host for all of this weekend's action on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Welcome on to the show for the first time, host of the On The Rise podcast. It's Perry Shine. And Perry, welcome to the show. Hey, Great Shot. How are you feeling after day one? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling Honestly, more excited than I was yesterday, which is credit to you, Alex, and also credit to you, John, for just bringing the hype to college tennis. So I'm here. I'm ready to go. And great shot. Uh, (laughs) I appreciate you saying that. Um, Yeah, the force is strong in you. I could tell on day one. Again, we're going to have a lot of fun this weekend, and I appreciate your tolerance of my nonsense. Certainly appreciate your insight into all of the matches as well. And Jay, I said this yesterday. It's going to be a theme of the weekend. You know what the best part of this broadcast is for me? can't guess it you should see the confusion on his face <laughs> yeah it's that i'm not going to be the michigan biased one because of course That's we have true. bailey shining on the michigan roster perry shining in the booth people can't get mad at me <laughs> right it'll just be uh secondary but yeah perry i mean too much michigan maybe a little too much <laughs> it's a little too much between the both of us now i mean i feel like it's a potential issue because now alex is putting the bias on me just assuming that I'm <laughs> how do you think i feel you know years of putting a lot of things on me so welcome to the club i just want you to know that i actually called ty tucker and he's going to join us for that match too just to just make sure we're, yeah exactly out. to make sure we're yeah, exactly. We're perfectly balanced. But obviously, I appreciate both of you joining me here. We're recording this. It's 8.17 a.m. And so as such, we start our broadcast at the top of the hour. We're going to try and keep this podcast to about 32 minutes. I'm going to try and do four minutes on each of our eight matches. And in order to ensure all of us get to fire off our takes, we're just going to go 
take for take. I'm going to name a match. Each of us are going to fire off our one take from the match now, as there were eight different battles yesterday. John happened to have the, uh, John, sorry, Jay happened to have the opportunity to go to the Seattle Tennis Club. There were some matches he got to see a little bit better than we did. Similarly, Perry and I set up at Nordstrom. Maybe Jay will defer, take a two to us as well. With that said, let's just go through the draw. I'm going to start with what we saw first yesterday. Duke, excuse me, Duke, Georgia, knocks off Stanford, Georgia, coming back in the doubles point. They were down early. They take that. Now, Stanford takes four first sets in singles, but ultimately Georgia able to work their way back. In the end, it's Leah Ma over Connie Ma to clinch the victory. And for a Georgia team that obviously lost to Ohio State coming into this event, lost a tough match to North Carolina as well. They needed it. Was a tough loss for Stanford. Certainly, I defer to you first, Jay. Your biggest take from that match. Well, I think that was the case of two teams who've had very different starts to the season, one significantly more callous than the next, right? Georgia has not only played more matches, they've gone on the road to North Carolina. They played that match. They went on the road to Ohio State. Coming in, Stanford has only played, you know, three matches, one match and then kickoff weekend. I thought that that experience played out in the end, particularly for Georgia to come back in those singles matches. And ultimately, I think Stanford was pressing in a lot of situations, both in doubles where they were leading 5-2 at number two uh, doubles. And so I think that, look, that's the interesting thing about indoors, right, is you have teams coming in with very different starts to the season in terms of experience, success. And that was my big takeaway is that Stanford just a little green on the experience side to pull that match off. Perry? Stanford's schedule hurt them in that. That cancellation against Pepperdine, that really hurt them because that was Stanford's only chance to really face a team of that caliber before coming in and playing Georgia, and I feel like that hurt them. I think that's a really good take by you, Perry, and as well by you, Jay. You could just tell that this Stanford team hadn't had their back pressed against the wall the way that Georgia had. And, you know, individually, my take is one of Dasha Vyadminova and Alexandra Yepafanova, one of them is going to be a top 100 player. And I was joking with Perry on the podcast yesterday. You know what I love, Jay. I love wingspan. I love weapons. And I love movement. And both of them can do all three of those things. Vyadminova almost baits you into falling asleep in the rally. We were talking about this yesterday, Jay. And then she will hit that big one down the line, catch you off guard, and just it was everything you love in 2020's tennis. Yepafanova versus Viedmanova. I thought that was the best individual match maybe we saw on the day, even though it wasn't a three-setter. I actually think my biggest take, though, from this match, of course, I'm firing in two here quietly. I'm more interested for Duke-Stanford today than I am for Georgia-Oklahoma because I actually think we now know about this Georgia team. You know, they're still trying to figure out their options at six, but we know these cast of characters. We've seen them before. Similarly, Oklahoma's Oklahoma, and we'll get to them in a second. But, like, to Perry's point exactly, I am fascinated by the pieces Stanford has. Angelica Blake may have been the best player in the building yesterday, and yet they lost a match they probably should have won. And so, to me... I think that is the most interesting. Like, again, I want to see Stanford bounce back. Jay has mentioned this on previous shows. They need the wins yep. in the Pac-12. I know this is a bonus take, but it's your school. So final word on Stanford goes to you. Well, I think that's the point, right? I mean, coming into this, looking at this draw, you look at that quarter in particular, the toughest quarter of the draw with Georgia, Stanford, Duke, and Oklahoma. You know, the team that goes 0-2 here, it's going to be challenging, particularly for Stanford of all these teams in this draw. 
they're probably the team that needs one, maybe two top-ranked wins because they just don't have the remaining schedule to do it. To your point, I actually think Duke's fine because they have the ACC. Exactly. And, and so they're going to have plenty of time. But Perry, um, last word because we should go glass half full. What were your thoughts on Georgia? I actually thought they were pr- – like, I, I know they had two bad losses. Ohio State popped them in Columbus. But they look, dare I say, national championship good. I don't know about national championship good. I think final four good, yes. Okay. They they were solid out there, and they were actually more aggressive than I expect them to come out with an indoor tennis mentality. They were able to make that switch. Obviously, a team that usually plays outdoors now going indoors and really making an impact. Yeah, very well said. You're right. Not national championship, but final four. Now they're definitely back in the outskirts of that bubble conversation. Well, as we alluded to, though, up next for Georgia, it's going to be a fun battle of colors here in this uh, Saturday morning first quarter finals. They're going to take on Oklahoma. Oklahoma yesterday, dare I say, they just woke up. Uh, That was the Oklahoma we saw in 2022. By far their best performance of the season. They take the doubles point and then, look, I'm a staker, was the heart taker. taker. Yeah, straight set taker today. Rare. And we were talking about, you know, she clinched 10 matches last year. 10 matches last year. Like, I, there are some seniors who haven't clinched 10 matches in their careers, and she clinched 10 as a freshman. But, yes, yeah, Staker was back. I have not seen Donna Guzman make two unforced errors consecutively. I've seen one, <laughs> never two in a row. She is healthy. Carmen Corley was excellent yesterday. Pisa Reva's getting yeah. back into form. Now, again, it was a Duke team, a little banged up. You could also tell they played a really bad first 30 minutes in both singles and doubles. And, you know, again, yes, they've played Wisconsin. But this was their first serious test, and it was a little Stanford-y in that sense. I go to you here first, Perry. What was your takeaway from that, match? I agree. That's exactly what you said. It was a little Stanford-y. I think the lag in doubles that Stanford had, they kind of made up for in singles. I thought the beginning of the Stanford singles, they raised their game enough, at least to be competitive. Whereas with Duke, we saw very early on the scoreboard some some love threes early, some one twos, one threes, one fours. And those, those first sets really kind of got away from them. And, and that hurt them. I mean, you know, dropping the doubles point and then, of course, dropping the first sets. It's a, Yeah, they... They just felt behind, to your point, very quickly. And Jay, thoughts on the match? Well, I think that doubles carried over into singles. I think, you know, similar to Stanford, as you mentioned, this Duke team not as tested as some of these other teams. I think to come out, you know, Oklahoma dominates doubles. I think that put them on their back foot. I think, you know, coming in, it's hard to have that belief when you don't have that track record yet in the season. This is a Duke team that has a lot of new pieces who really haven't played together as a unit for that long of time. So, you know having that doubles go the way it did in Oklahoma's favor, I think put them on their back foot. It took them a while to work their way back into that match. Ultimately, a little too late. Very well said. Big takeaway for me, Emma Jackson is freaking good. And shout out to you, Perry. You pointed it out all yesterday. When you said that, as soon as you said her name, my eyes lit up. Of course, (laughs) Emma Jackson. I mean, her forehand, and I've heard this on the Cracked Interviews podcast, and Cracked Brackets, and and when Jay joins, that you all are talking about how Emma Jackson just has this forehand that your eyes, can't, you, I, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And it's because of her explosiveness, but also because of the way that she does the serve plus one. Yes. That serve plus one combo, I mean, it's money. And she was on yesterday, and it was scary to watch. I mean, it was scary because the sound of the ball coming off her racket, and Alex was talking about this too, the sound of the ball coming off her racket, you could just hear it from, I don't know, two yeah. buildings down. It was crazy. It, it boomed. You're absolutely like, And for us who are wondering why is she playing three, now we know. Four. Or four. But she was playing oh, she three. Was That's three. what I'm yeah. saying. And so it's like, now you know. The other takeaway, dude's just not healthy yet. Like, Drummy was off, and obviously she didn't play in the fall. Coach Ashworth talked about that. They still got to figure out Schwetz, Brisgolova, what they want to do at six. Maybe Katie Cod eventually, or, you know, again, we'll see. 
my last thought, and I, I go to you here on this match, I just don't think Duke's Duke yet. Like, I, they're going to be so much better in May. Yeah, and this is a little classic Duke. I think yeah. Coach Ashworth talked about this on on the interview you did, is that they play their best tennis in April and May, mm -hmm. right? You kind of constantly see Duke. I mean, they've made the NCAA semifinals, you know, three, yeah. three of the last four years, something like that. And they play their best tennis there, often maybe needing to go on the road, get the upsets. Same thing with the ACC tournament last year, right? That's when they play their best tennis. They certainly don't do it here at indoors. So they have the pieces, mm -hmm. right? And now is where, you know, the really tough work starts. No, very well said. And, yeah, I mean, again, they have a test. Them versus Stanford, again, one could argue it's the best match of day number two, and it's a consolation match, and that speaks to the loaded nature of this draw. Again, there's probably more meat on the bone. We're going to get to talk about all of these teams throughout the course of the weekend, so we're going to move on here as we continue to recap each of yesterday's round of 16 matches. Let's go stay on this left side of the draw. Match of the day, Iowa State, 4-3 over Vandy. I say this affectionately, is Iowa State just, are they just trying to be Oklahoma? Like, again, you see the energy. You see the to, how together they play. And I don't mean to say they're trying to be Oklahoma to mock them. I just think Oklahoma set the blueprint of the sum is greater than the whole of its parts. And that's what this Iowa State team is. One could argue OB right now is playing better than anyone in their lineup. And they still, she wins 0-1 yesterday. She was playing chess, staff or Ross, whomever it was, I forget, was yeah, playing Ross. checkers. Um, and then it comes down to a battle at the third and breaks back and forth. Iowa State serves for it twice at that number six match, broken both times. It comes down to a third set buster, and ultimately Iowa State gets through. And, you know, Jay, I'm going to go to you here first. You circled this one. You said Iowa State is a team be on the lookout for, and obviously we talked about them a lot last year as well, but, like, there it is. Welcome to college. Like, welcome to the biggest stages. Now you're in the top eight hunt. Yeah. Well, look, I'm loving this trend, right? Yeah. Of a team coming to indoors for the first time in program history, winning their first round match and yeah. maybe more, right? We saw that with Oklahoma last year, another Big 12 team, Iowa State doing it this year. I think you're right. I mean, look, they've seen Oklahoma often. They've seen what success looks like. I think that energy in doubles was palpable. The other thing I would add is they have a lot of fun out there. Yes. They have a lot of fun as Strike a Strike a pose. <laughs> what, the power pose? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And look, you see them smiling more. You see them laughing. And there were other teams here that you didn't quite see that. I think it was, this is a, a pressure-packed moment, and that very well could have been the case for Iowa State, being here for the first time as a program, not having that experience across the board in their lineup, didn't seem to be the case, right? And I think that allowed them to take some of the pressure off. And look, those are the blueprints for successful teams, where, to your point, you know, the sum is greater than, than the parts. Absolutely, Perry. Iowa State shocked me actually watching them in person because I had seen their results. I had seen them on the rise over the last few years, as you all have been tracking. But I don't know when I saw them, I could not, Alex and I could not immediately see a strength. And we were kind of like, okay, when is it, you know, when are we going to start seeing the huge physicality, the huge serves, the huge forehands? That never came. What they are is they're a smart team. They're really smart. They have great shot placement, especially that first serve out wide in doubles to set up the net player with the poach. That was awesome. I also really liked in singles, they didn't come out all guns blasting. They kind of came out yes. waiting for their opponent to make errors. And sometimes in college tennis, that's what you have to do when there's pressure and there's everything on the line. Sometimes you have to put the ball in the court. And that's so simple, but Iowa State does that so well. That's perfectly put. And yeah, they just, you know, again, Jay knows I like to invoke the cranberries. They just linger. They really just linger. And Catlicova at four 
I mean, she was an athlete. That's like, again, beat me. That's what she said. And I'm in on Bridget Stammel. Like, here are my chips, all in. I just, I, she's got it. And the weapons, the mindset, the continued aggression under pressure. She falls short yesterday, but that was credit to Kavlikova, who really was exceptional. And this Iowa State team's just got, like, options. Like, I don't love Kabaya's, uh, I think that's who it is, at, at five. But, like, they played good doubles. They play with good energy. They stick around. I mean, again, I don't think Vanderbilt played poorly. Like You could tell it was Vanderbilt's first time here. There were definitely there was some sticker shock at the start. But, like, these were just too good. This is a round of 16 NCAA match. or like That's just, like, that's what it looks like. Two good teams, bunch of three setters, and there were three setters that are everywhere. Iowa State won the first three sets at one, two, and three. I believe the only match they won in those top three positions was at number two. And it was at four and six where they end up coming back in three uh, I defer to you here, Jay, and then we'll move on. Vanderbilt, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the energy delta between those two teams okay. was was pretty clear, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know what, what to make of that. I think Vanderbilt has the talent up and down the lineup. It just felt like that belief was missing a little bit. We talked mm-hmm. about this earlier with some of the other teams, but that doubles point is so huge. And when these teams come out with that level of energy, I think it can be surprising for some of these other teams and it takes them back and to go down big in doubles not just losing the doubles point but sometimes when you're losing 6-0 6-1 6-2 you're going all right this is an uphill battle we haven't done this before as a team and i just feel like iowa state knew they could win that match and winning that doubles point gave them all that momentum it was a you know you know melancholy you know vibe from the vanderbilt team after that doubles point yeah they didn't have an edge they need to develop it don't they perry Looking at the deciding match, that said it all, right? Yeah. Because regardless of whether or not each side was winning or losing, the Iowa State team had more energy. They just they were kind of carrying their player through that match. And that's so important because when you're out there alone and everything's on the line, it just you just want to kind of sometimes curl up in a hole. I mean, that's what I wanted to do when I was in that position. But to have to have your teammates there emotionally supporting you and kind of just guiding you through that in a way, because you look over there, they're all yelling for you. Vanderbilt, not as much. And I don't know if that's a culture thing or if that's just in in the moment yesterday, they were all a little bit down. Not sure. Hard to tell from one match, but Iowa State, I mean, the energy, that was what stood out. Yeah. And now Iowa State's got a conference foe, obviously, as they're going to take on Texas. And Texas wins 4-0. It was a ghost 4-0. I mean, they did get the doubles, although they were pushed. They were down on a bunch of courts and we had 250, you know, uh, Huskies in the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Going nuts. And you could tell the freshmen, especially, uh, I think it's Rivkin who's at five, right? She's Nicole five. And I call them Nicole one and five. five, Yeah, yeah. she's Nicole five. Um, She just wasn't ready to, to face that crowd. And you could tell it got under her skin at times in the match. But, you know, again, Washington comes out after playing a really good doubles point. They won four first sets in singles. They didn't put a single point on the board. And that's a credit to Texas. Tasha Pachkaleva looks healthier at that number four spot. She's fighting away. I was telling Perry all match. Marley Zane was going to win. It was just a matter of when she was going to get over that finish line at six. I think both Nicoles have weapons. I'm kind of in. Um, they didn't even play Shavatapan yesterday in singles. I mean, what do you make of that Texas match, Jay? Well, I think Texas will be happy to get through that match. I think when you're playing the host team with those uh, 
the fans here, right? Sounds like there was a, a really good crowd. Like, that's a different test, right? Mm-hmm. Even though this Texas team, two-time defending national champion, to go on the road, none of these other schools are facing that environment in that first round. So, yeah, when you have freshmen in that lineup, new faces in that lineup that they're mixing in who don't have that national championship experience, that's a tough test, right? And that's probably a match that they'll look back on later in the season and say, like, that was a great opportunity for mm-hmm. us to get tested indoors, get the freshman experience. The thing about Texas, they just have so many options, right? Across, you know, one through six. If if they drop a point, you don't feel any worse about it. But they didn't, right? And they hung hung deep. They took some of those second sets. And that's, you know, in college tennis, right? Staying out there is almost just as good as putting a point on the board for your team just because it takes that pressure off of the rest of, you know, your teammates. Yeah, and to your point, the teammates who did get over the finish line, Zaina Lova, whatever we, she caught at the end of last year has sustained and she looked good. Um, and certainly again, I thought, uh, Rapalu at three straight sets as well. Like a, a veteran who's just on paper should be that good. She was, yeah, she was that good. And so again, Texas play poorly or Washington earn it and make them work in your mind, Perry. Washington played well. Yeah. I felt like Washington played well. We were getting comments on the YouTube stream that Washington was a top 16 team. They were playing like a top 16 team. And then Alex, of course, and I said, NC State is not here. Maybe a top 17 team. But what I feel like is they do have potential, and they showed that yesterday. Now, there are two things in my mind. First thing is, it's easy to raise your game against an opponent like Texas, right? Because they bring you up. You have no pressure is the second thing. So Washington was playing at home with no pressure. So do we see that level on the road if the situation was reversed, right? I don't know. I think Texas played okay. I don't think they were super happy with yesterday. I know Charlotte didn't play, but at the same time, if I was Howard, I would still say, okay, this wasn't as clean as I wanted it to be. And that's okay because it's a first round match here. Texas survived. They move on. My last point is about the two girls, grad transfers from Columbia, Jennifer Kerr and Melissa Sacker, representing the Ivy League beautifully. Love to see them out here playing really well. They both played really good matches. Third sets in both, you know, both were tied at four in the third set. That's great against a team from Texas. That's great. Mm-hmm. One other thing I'd add about that, the the Texas match is that that match went on late, right? Because in at Nordstrom yesterday, a lot of late, you know, mm-hmm. late matches. You know, this Washington team is at home. You want to go back to your apartment, get something. You know, you need some, you know, yeah. food. You need, you know, a go nap. get a nap. Exactly yeah. right. And Texas, I mean, they're just kind of stuck, yeah. right? And you kind of saw them at least on site. They were on site for a large part of the day waiting for matches or courts going to open i think that's pretty draining right yeah. just to be here all day i think that probably played a big factor in just their ability to play at what would be you know fairly late match relative to texas time as well yeah and perry and i are on the call so i'm going to put jay on the spot here for us jay two picks let's start with the first one by the way on this side of the draw georgia oklahoma who you got georgia score Four two. Okay. Yeah, I I think Oklahoma wins doubles. I mean that has been you know yeah. what they've been doing this season. Uh, I really like Georgia at uh, one. I've been super impressed with Leah Ma this season. She played great yesterday. I mean just getting the wins over Fiona Crawley, Connie Ma. You know her her shot tolerance, her resiliency is something I haven't seen be- be- before from her. At number two, I, I don't know if Vidmanova will lose a match here. Yeah. I mean she's playing super high level. And Kowalski yesterday, yeah. just the fight from her at four to fend off the weapons from Blakina. I like those three points, so I think they'll find a four. She's our Zeke Clark Award winner right now, Meg <laughs> Kowalski. Um, yeah, she's yeah. at four. It's 
crazy. You know, and she's a connective tissue yeah. to that Georgia team from that 2019 that won indoors in 2019 and they made the NCAA finals. She knows what it takes to win this tournament. Yeah, very well said. Top half, who you got? Texas, Iowa State. Are you going to do it? Oh, I'm not going to do it, but I think Texas gets through. Although I think it's beneficial to Iowa State that they know this Texas team. Mm -hmm. And look, if we talk about them as the blueprint, uh, Oklahoma being the blueprint, guess who beat Texas at this tournament last season? Oklahoma. Yeah, very, very, very well said. And certainly, again, um, that's, they're both going to be fun. You wonder how much does Iowa State have left in the legs, how much they have left in their minds. Um, Texas played a long match, but they were never really in doubt yesterday. And so, again, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of new pieces. Iowa State knows Texas. This Texas team doesn't know Iowa State. And so that could be the wake-up call. Again, both outstanding matches. Let's move to the other half of the draw. We're going to do this side faster. Simply put, there was less action in that top quarter. And so we'll go through this pretty quickly. Texas A&M 4-0. They win the corners. They win doubles. You know, one in straight sets. Smetnikov in straight sets at six. And I think it was Brandstein yesterday at one in straights. Then they got pushed. Bunch of three sets in the middle of their lineup. Ultimately, it was Mia Kupras, who I've been comparing to Karolina Mukova up here. Because I just see it with the forehand, the athleticism. Jay gave me a look to say, Alex, not a terrible take. Yeah, um, one I need to ponder on. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're give it a little. Watch forehand, though. He's not Yeah, wrong. it's okay. just like how she does it. And, and it's the body type, the athleticism. It's just like. Yeah, it's, you'll see it. Trust me. Um, yeah, exactly. Goldsmith was up a set in 5-2. Now, she dropped that set 7-5, and the indoor struggles kind of linger yeah. for JC Goldsmith for A&M. But, look, San Diego held tough, Jay. Uh, I'll go to you first again. Your takeaway from this one. Yeah, it feels similar to the Texas match, right, where, you know, they get pushed. And I think it was a good showing by San Diego. Look, these neither of these two teams are indoor teams, right? So to come on the road... And push Texas A&M like that, I think credit to San Diego, particularly in the, the middle of their lineup where, you know, we were talking about in the preview is like you, you really like Solomar Coling at one, but she drops that point to Carson mm -hmm. Brandstein. But there were other players who were hanging tough at the rest of the lineup. And I think if you're Texas A&M, you're just you're thrilled to get that first round win, right? Yeah. Get that off their back from last season, that 4-3 loss to Cal in the first round. Now they're like, okay, we can sink our teeth into this tournament, sink our teeth into this draw. So, look, Texas A&M, you like them in doubles. You like them at any position at one through six. So they're going to be really dangerous. They have options, no doubt. And obviously up next for them is an Ohio State team. Pretty comfortable for a win over Auburn yesterday. Now, Auburn made a push at the end, but... They play. They were down for 90 minutes, and just like at a certain point, Perry, I felt like the hole was too dug too deep. I do agree, and I think when you're in a hole like that and you're fighting to climb back, you're fighting to climb back, you need to look around and kind of see the score slightly different, and we weren't seeing that score change. I mean, Auburn thought they were really trying to hang in. We hear Oklahoma in the background there. Yeah. But Auburn was really trying to hang in and extend this match, and they did the best they could, but I do think they were outmatched. Yeah, I, I just think also, by the way, this Ohio State team, the depth is real. And it's just like yesterday, Boule finally started clicking on all cylinders. Coley Allen continues to do her thing at the bottom of the lineup. And then they played Danielle Wilson, not Marzal. And, you know, again, still had success. We know what Ratliff's capable of. To your point, when I look at Ohio State, it's the same thing. You know they're going to be pretty solid at doubles, and they can win anywhere, one through six. And so I turn to you, Jay, hottest team in the country, team with only two losses over the past year and a half. A&M, Ohio State, give us the preview, your thoughts. Well, both those both those losses happened indoors, yeah, right? Sure. So, you know, that's always a factor for Texas A&M. I think this is tough. I feel like Ohio State has started the season so strong. All of those wins have been at home, 
right? So I'm very curious to see what this looks like on a neutral site. I picked A&M, you know, before the tournament. I didn't see anything yesterday that concerned me too much to deviate from that pick. But look, Ohio State's rolling, so, but I'm going with the Aggies. Perry, final thoughts on that match? Yeah, I have to agree. I have yeah. to agree with that. I think the thing about A&M is that they have the experience also of making these deep runs lately in postseason play. So I do feel like that's behind them. Also, Mary Stoyana for Texas A&M, fantastic player in her second season, having a sophomore surge, as you like to say, instead of a sophomore slump. So very impressed with Stoyana. I feel that her strokes are just solid. She's had the success at all levels of the sport. And so, yeah, I'm going with a I agree. It's strength on strength. And it's going to be a really good match. I, I I do think that could be our 4-3 thriller on the day. And Straight you know, on the contos? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. And by the way, again, on the flip side, like Auburn taking on San Diego is a fun indoor match, too, that you got to have your eye on. I thought Auburn f- continued to fight. Carolyn Ansari played really solid tennis yesterday. And again, she is sort of that, she's the spirit child of that team, just the perfect embodiment of what they're attempting to accomplish. So that's your top half of the right side. And again, uh, just to ride through here, obviously the matchup everyone wants to hear the thoughts on. UNC, 4-2 over Pepperdine. They take the doubles point. They almost gave that one away. John, you were at the Seattle Tennis Club. You... John twice. What is wrong with me? Wake up, Alex J. It's because you're in person. It's the formality. Yeah, exactly, of it all, exactly. It's because I yeah. see you and I'm like, I can't call him J to his face. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Um, just go. Well, I mean, my bit first takeaway was, wow, North Carolina travels so well, right? Outside of Washington, they by, had by far the biggest fan base. By the way, so the Seattle Times Club does it very nice there. There's a bar. You know, you can overlook the courts. So. The North Carolina fans were treated very well uh, yesterday. Doubles was super tight. I was surprised uh, that Chen and Brodus didn't start out strong. They go down into kind of a, um, a love three, you know, out of the gates, and it was a struggle to get back. I think then in doubles you had two and three, both in tie breaks. Ultimately, I think the match experience that North Carolina has was able to get them through there. Again, we talk about lack of experience. Pepperdine has played two point. Two five matches, they got one doubles point against Stanford, and that was it. So, you know, that experience, you know, played out. And then the big shock of the day was Fiona Crawley pulled at number one singles. She's dealing with some health issues, but what a flex for North Carolina to come out, still win that match without uh, Fiona Crawley. On the Pepperdine side, we'll start there. I mean, Lisa Zar, Savannah Brodus, they're the real deal. Studs. <laughs> they looked, yeah. they looked absolutely excellent, but. You know, we talked about this going into the match. North Carolina's depth is just so real. You know, Scotty at five, Yarla got it back healthy in the lineup at six. She looked great. And then ultimately, Reese Brantmeyer, freshman, steps into that number one position. Her aggression against Janice Chen, it paid off in the end. Perry? Reese Brantmeyer. I mean, give me a break. That's yeah, the tweet, right? I mean, her explosiveness, <laughs> just unreal. I could see the professional success that she had in the fall winning 225 k's since october she was just moving forward in the court i mean yeah, exploding the transition game yes yeah. oh my gosh her the amount of steps that it takes from her to get from the baseline to the net at least from what alex and i were seeing it seemed like it was two steps yeah, yeah. for someone like me it was like 200 steps <laughs> she just moves so beautifully forward and that's something that i mean in college tennis give me a break these rallies are so long if reese brentmeyer can cut them all in half for herself yeah awesome She's just constantly feel her moving in. And as opponent, you must feel that pressure on the other side of the net. 
Pune Rock and the High Sox have that sort of athleticism. Her and she Scotty did. at one. Yeah, it's just like, it's athletic. It's overwhelming. There's size, there's speed, there's the arms. Socks. Yeah, there's arms everywhere. There's size, speed, and socks, the triple S, as, yeah. as they say. Um, yeah, look, that was a flex from North Carolina to win that match without Crawley against a Pepperdine team. That hat, they played loose. Like, Czar epitomized that. That's the connective tissue to the 21 team, where it's just like, we're not afraid of Please, like, we're Pepperdine. Like, it's cute that you're North Carolina, but we're also Pepperdine. And Brodus has that swag. Czar has that swag. Chen fought her tail. Chen did not play well yesterday. And for her to even go three sets, that is a testament to her as a competitor. Redelic was fighting at five. That was a really good match. They got to figure out one of the Campanas to just get him a little bit moving forward at six. Because, again, Yarla got to play great. She's healthy. Pepperdine's got to be a little stronger there, but... It's not a bad loss for Pepperdine. Like, again, I still, they're very much in the inner circle. And the fact that they're in the constellation now is absolutely crazy um, to me. And look, they've got a freaking battle as they're going to take on Virginia. As Virginia knocked out 4 2 by the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan continuing just the most unbelievable, a magical start for head coach Ronnie Bernstein. This is exactly what the doctor ordered for this Michigan program. I said it yesterday. It starts with Kari. Kari. It starts with Kari and Jaden. It's just. You, when your two best players buy in, when they work as hard as anyone, and when they set that energy culture of this is how we compete, this is how we fight together, that's when a team clicks. And again, they've got the depth. And we saw yesterday Gala Mesacherito fighting off match points to stay alive in the third. And she comes back from a set down. Julia Fliegner, after dropping the second set, she pulls away in a really fun three-set match against Ziadato. You can just tell, Perry, and I turn to you here first. No offense, Jay. Michigan talk back off. Um, I'll see myself. Yeah, I know. We'll get to the Virginia side and you. Um, but this team just believes. That was my takeaway yesterday. This team believes and they play as one. Yeah. I mean, they're very close. And I feel like that just shows on the court the way they fight for one another. And we talked about that a lot in college tennis. Alex and I, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. But fighting for one another is actually, that's the magic of college tennis, right? If you can have a team that's out there every single point playing for the girl next to you, I mean, that's that's where you've got it. And I feel like Michigan has that. Now, Michigan obviously also has the talent. They have Miller and Brown at the lead of this team. And I feel like the leadership is showing on all levels, really, of the court. I mean, Lily Jones, freshman, she did drop the, you know, drop the match yesterday. But I love the way she started this yeah. spring. I don't think anyone could really say that Lily Jones is not one of the best freshmen in the country. So mm-hmm. I think Michigan's ready to go. I thought she competed well yesterday also. It is worth noting, though, Virginia, without Julia Adams, who... I'll allow you to explain why she was or wasn't on the court for singles. But look, I like if you're Virginia, Collard played great at six and like your three sets at three and four after, tra- you know, you, you lose doubles in three first sets, yet you get the job done four, five, six, you take your first three. Subash isn't going to lose in straight sets more than one more time this season. In my opinion, Jaden just played great yesterday. I think there's a glass half full if you're Virginia. Like, you were without your number one singles player, and you were right there, and you probably could have. I mean, not probably. You could have still won the match. Glass half full, right? And Michigan won it. Virginia didn't lose it. Yeah, I come away feeling good about Virginia and the talent that they have on that roster, particularly because they did lose pretty easily at one and two, right? So for the rest of that lineup, even without Virginia's number one in the lineup, they all stepped up, right? They were playing close matches against a Michigan team that has been very tested Mm -hmm. this season. And you saw that yesterday. Exactly. You saw that come through. And so this is an early season match for this Virginia team that they need. I mean, if they play that match in May, I think that these teams are are very evenly matched. Mm -hmm. And I think you saw that yesterday. I think, you know, 
I don't know if we'll see Julia today. I, it's not a serious health issue, so that's great news for Virginia. But ultimately, I think getting the wins, collared at six, having her get, get in action after missing last year, it's a big confidence boost for them. Glass half full for Virginia. Yeah. I feel maybe even better about this Virginia team coming into that match just because Michigan, they're co a cohesive unit. They were ready to go. And look, yeah. tough match. Virginia now plays Pepperdine. Like, it doesn't get it again. <laughs> we roll. Yeah. Um, no, I just, and I, if you listen to our Cracked Interviews podcast, I talked to Ronnie and Melissa about this. If they let me into their group chat, all I would be saying is ACC, SEC, Big 12. Like, someone's got to beat a Pac-12 school, and then the Big Ten set. Like, congrats, yeah. guys. You did it. Because now you have the Virginia wins, the Oklahoma wins, the Georgia wins between the conference. You guys beat each other. Like, the Big Ten will get a top eight seed this year. And you didn't know that at the start of the season. It was one of our biggest storylines going into it. Your biggest winner of the first month and a half on the women's side is without question the Big Ten Conference. And so with that said, this is our final thought, and then we're going to go. By the way, 36 minutes right now. I told you, better than you thought? Better? better than I thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll just talking through the, the broadcast over here. But, yeah, so nice work. Exactly. Thank you. So last thought, and you have a minute 50 before the Zoom ends. It's very easy, though. Uh, excuse me, UNC Michigan. Give me the pick. Give me the match. Uh, I like North Carolina. I yeah. think North Carolina's doubles is really tough. But we'll see if um, if Carly plays. I'm fascinated to see Jaden Brown and Kari Miller at that one and two spot. Those are going to be some great matches. And North Carolina's depth is just so tough. Having Garla got it back at six, particularly since Sardan lost yesterday. I like North Carolina's depth. If North Carolina gets it done, I expect Michigan to test them. I'll go 4-2. All right, I like it. Any final thoughts? Last word in her podcast debut, the superstar of day one. She's shining bright like a diamond. It's Perry shining. <laughs> you knew it was coming. P, final thoughts? Wow. Well, I feel like, first of all, this is the matchup today. We'll see if I'm correct about that, but this is the one. I also think, I mean, to be honest, I think Michigan has a shot. I'm not sure... My my worry is the bottom of the lineup actually for Michigan. That's my worry. And it's not that it's not that Gala, Julia, Lily, it's not that they haven't played great. It's that the depth on UNC is just scary. I mean, Nero Legata was going to be benched yesterday if Crowley played Nero Legata 18 in the country. I mean, take a moment to realize that if you're 18 in the country on most teams, you're playing one or two. Here, you're on the bench. So I'm not even sure who I'm leaning towards, but I'm definitely saying it's a 4-2 match. Either way, I think momentum will play a huge role into it. Also, UNC won the last three of these events. So maybe I have to lean there. Very well said. Well, then, with all that in mind, folks, that's day one in the books for the fantastic John J. Parsons, Perry Shine, and for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, at home. And for all of us here at in Seattle, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Fellas, oh, no! We lost it. Oh, no. But we got it, too. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin, which is a good enough ending. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, Westa. Hey, great shot. We'll see you all later. <laughs>